1: Dara is a founder, author, and coach. She's often considered a bridge between the spiritual and earthly, and her mission on this planet is to connect people to the resources they need to elevate what they do. A prolific writer and interviewer, she's worked with Shaq, Seth Godin, Bobby Brown, Jillian Michaels, Adam Grant, and the list goes on, with well over 1 million views of her work. She was named number one to follow by Boss Babe magazine. Her motto, design your life, build a career to fund it, and a network to support it, has inspired thousands to reach higher and dream bigger. Enjoy this episode.
0: Well, Dara Brustine, welcome to the Action Catalyst.
1: Thank you, Dan. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Well, we're delighted that you could. Learning about your life and the many ways that you help people become better people, better connected people, and happier people is really inspirational to me. And I'm just kind of curious, as you look back on on your career, who were some of the people that were significant in those major pivots that caused you to start in one direction and then realize, nope, and pivot to another? Were there mentors, influences, or just specific events that led to those changes?
1: Yeah. I mean, the first people that I guess get credit are the people who laid me off three times in a row from <laughs> age
0: 22
1: to 25 because... If it weren't for those experiences that felt so traumatic and rug pulling at the time, I probably would have stayed on that trajectory, even though it wasn't aligned for me. And so I now get the beauty of hindsight to look back and say that those were really gifts that allowed me to continue to pursue something else and to recognize, hey, if the universe is sending you signals back to back to back like this, maybe you should be paying better attention and make a pivot. And so absolutely them. I would also credit my brother. I have two brothers. One is my twin brother. He's never heard me give him credit before. He happens to be my business partner in our first company, which is a credit card processing company. And he's the one that reached out to me after my third layoff and said, listen, I have an idea. It's really unsexy. You've been doing really sexy businesses and working in fashion and other spaces like that. But I want to work with you in credit card processing and here's why. And really, if it weren't for him seeing something in me that was going to line up really well with him. We have opposite gifts, opposite skills, opposite personalities. And he really touched on that in a way that I hadn't recognized it before because we were not close, ironically. And he was right. And I took this leap with him. And that was over 10 years ago. And so he really kickstarted my entrepreneurial journey because of some seed that he saw was planted in me that he wanted to grow together with. And then, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, I have to thank my parents because there was a time when we started that business where we had two embezzlements. We had lost at one time an 80% revenue client. So a whale, which was lesson learned, don't have whale clients, not a great place to be when they leave. And we had kept wiping out back to zero or close to it over the course three times in the first five years. And my mom turned to me at one point and just said, Dara, I think you should quit. And it's probably the last thing you want to hear when you're, how old was I then? Maybe 27, 28. I had a mortgage. I was terrified I was going to foreclose on my house. I had no confidence at this point. My entire identity was tied to the success and the revenue of my business, which another lesson learned, you should probably understand your own intrinsic value before you tie it to things outside of yourself that ultimately do not define you in the first place. And when she said that, I used it as fuel to be the thing that helped me tap down even deeper and say, nope, you still have something in you. You're not done. And trust my instinct, which has been a really important through line for me in my career. And also thank her because she financially was a helper to me. And I think this is a conversation that doesn't happen enough when we talk about entrepreneurship, especially bootstrapped entrepreneurship, that... You know, I didn't have a trust fund. I didn't have like a load of money. When I started, I'd been laid off three times with a mortgage that I could barely pay and didn't have much in savings. But so I was able to turn to my mom at one point and say, listen, I believe that my brother and I are going to be successful at this. And I don't want you to invest in this business, but I do need a loan from you so I can survive and not you know, live without electricity and not foreclose on my home. And she gave me that loan. And I was—I think one of my proudest moments was actually the moment I paid that loan back to her. It was a six-figure loan, ultimately, after we continued to make our uh, loan uh, amortize over time. And it just felt like one of those things that I was so grateful that she had the resources to do that and that she believed in me to do it. And then ultimately, that I was able to find myself in a place to pay her back for that. So Definitely those people and then also the people who have believed in me. And often, like I I use this term borrowed confidence a lot, that often when we feel ill-equipped ourselves, it's really critical to borrow confidence from the people who see something in us that maybe we don't recognize in ourselves or we're taking for granted. And so whether that was my family members or that was the first customers that I ever had who saw something that was worth saying yes to... Or it was Deepak Chopra on the other end of the spectrum who reached out to me last year and said, hey, let's start a video series together. And my jaw was on the floor thinking there's billions of people on this planet and you're asking me to do that with you. And I borrowed the confidence from each of these people until I could really embody it for myself.
0: That is a fantastic concept. And when we speak with our leaders, we often use the phrase, your confidence will become their confidence, hmm. particularly when they don't have much of their own. Well, I love the way you started out, Dara, praising the three people that had the dumbness to fire you, <laughs> <laughs> but without that catalyst, <laughs> without that catalyst, you could have been stuck hanging onto that mortgage saying, I don't dare mess up. I, I can't do something else. And they, they forced you to really dig in and find out who you are. And a brother like that, a mom like that, who would both question you with one hand and loan you the money with the other. And I hope all the listeners really heard that she lent you the money and you repaid the money. This was not a parental gift, which is awesome on everybody's part. I think it's fantastic. Well, Thank along you. along the way, you've done so many amazing things, uh, the credit card processing business, that most of us have no understanding how that works. You've also built a great organizations for, for people to network. You're a phenomenal interviewer. You help people develop their vision, develop their dream. Have you hit any, any brick walls recently? You mentioned the earliest stage in your career, but what what do you do when you're just trucking right along, everything's sailing, and then bam, no idea what just hits you? What are some strategies that that have helped you keep your equilibrium that we could share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, I think that happens a lot, especially for anyone who's growth-oriented and pushes themselves out of their comfort zone regularly as like a normal rite of passage on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so whether or not it's a brick wall where it feels cataclysmic or... It's a small thing where you realize, oh, I thought that was going to work out this way and everything I had planned for told me it was going to and then it doesn't. Number one kind of goes back to what I was saying that if we don't have a certainty in our identity and our value and worth outside of the accolades or the successes or the titles or the bank account balances, then all of these things end up derailing us. And so a lot of it turns really to the mindfulness side. And this is where Deepak and I really drive because... It's having had, having developed a meditation practice has, it's trite now, but it's so critical. It's where I used to go from being very reactive and my adrenals would burn out in an instant because at the inkling of a type of problem that you're describing, I would just go from zero to a hundred emotionally and think everything's going to fall apart. All my customers are going to leave. Everyone's going to hear about this. We're ruined. My reputation is done to when you create a meditation practice without even recognizing it, it starts to level you out so that when something happens, it no longer feels like the end of the world. Instead, it becomes this thing where you almost see outside of yourself and the response becomes, okay, will this matter? And if so, what do I do about it? And you just begin to take action and recognize that there is a separation between you and your identity and this thing outside of you. And so that has really been a formative thing. A second thing that's been so critical, and I really didn't understand this early, and as basic as it sounds, it's been fundamental, which is to surround myself with people who get it, who are willing to tell me what I need to hear, not just what I want to hear, and are on some sort of journey or path that is similar, even if not identical. Because after I graduated from college, most of my friends went into traditional professions, they became doctors, lawyers, consultants, people in business, corporate world. Whereas I went off into this career of an entrepreneur where so many of my friends were like, why are you working so hard? Why? And I was making mistakes. Like, why are you burning yourself out? Why are you saying no to all these invitations? Why are you so stressed about your bank account? And they didn't understand. And while those weren't necessarily the right choices to be making at the time, and I learned those lessons the hard way, it was really important for me to eventually build community with people who got it, who they were on the same trajectory, they had been there already, they could share their lessons learned, and they could really commiserate, not in a let's sit and muck around in it, but in a, I get it, I've been there, and here's what I learned, so you don't have to have that same hard-won lesson. And so that type of peer mentorship, like I call it co-mentorship, is really important, and kind of while we're talking about mentorship, you brought this up, I have had five styles of mentorship that I think everyone should consider because the old school style, number one of mentorship, like the, we sit at a mahogany desk and you sit behind it and you pour into me and every week I show up and hopefully you see something in me that warrants you're doing that type of investment. That's a little bit outdated and I see that very infrequently now. So co-mentorship becomes a really powerful way to say, hey, we're probably peers or close to peers, but we each have things that we can learn from each other. So whether it's formal or informal, a really powerful way to help one another. A third way is mentorship from afar. And this is what Deepak was to me before we ever became friends, where people put out content in the world. They are on social media, they're writing articles, they're writing books, they have video series, whatever it is. And you can ingest their content without them having any idea who you are and you can benefit from that. And so having those mentors from afar is really critical. The fourth is mentoring moments which is when, let's say you're at a conference and you meet some intellectual idol of yours and you get two minutes of their time, extracting as much as you're able to without being gross about extracting and really takery and allowing that moment to be meaningful and powerful and let it stand as what it is, not needing there to be more. And then the last one is reverse mentorship. And I see a lot of Fortune 500s doing this. So I'm in Atlanta, I see Coca-Cola doing this where Higher level executives or people with a lot more experience are being reverse mentored by people who are earlier in their life and career, which is a beautiful thing because it demonstrates that there's something to learn from people earlier on, as well as gives a lot of that value to the person who is younger. So when you're in your 20s or 30s and all of your colleagues are in their 40s and 50s and beyond, it can feel intimidating. But to recognize that there is mutual learning that can happen and that you really do have something to add is powerful.
0: It's extremely powerful. It just means being open to the fact we don't have all the answers. We don't even have all the questions. And so being open that's to awesome. other people. That's fantastic. So in, to summarize what I think you're saying, if a person has their own self-concept in place, then they don't have to be defined by their job, their bank account, etc. in fact, they can then design the life, the business to help support that vision of themselves. Is that sort of close?
1: Yes. So my real motto and the framework for everything I do in my life and now everything I teach is first design your life, decide what does success mean to you outside of everyone else's definitions or how you've been socialized, and then reverse engineer your business or your career to elevate and uplift that and kick off the amount of money that you precisely need to live your version of success. And then pillar three is build the network to make it more fun, and also to open the doors to the success you're seeking. Because ultimately, people are the, are the way that the doors open. We think that, oh, this business is the thing. But there are people who are behind that business brand, and they're the ones that are going to help advocate for you.
0: That is so true. Our uh, executive chairman for many years used to say, you can't build a business, you can build people. Mm. And people will then help build that business. And I think that's exactly what you're saying very wise. Well, well so this this leads me to um, to ask you a really big question. You had four major issues you were having all at the same time at one point in your career. And then you did one thing that pulled all of your experience, your skills, your business development into one place and let you basically knock out four of them with, with one shot. Can you can you expand on that for us? I'm fascinated. Yeah.
1: So this was such a happy accident where this was about 2 years into the credit card processing company already alluded to how much we struggled in the early years. Ultimately, Cliff's notes, we grew to 38 states, but at the time, it was a disaster. And so struggling there emotionally and financially, and I have a friend from college move back to Atlanta and say to me, hey, Dara, where do I go to make friends after college? Everywhere I go, I'm getting hit on, sold to. Everyone's my parents' age, or they're all in the same industry. And I thought, my favorite thing in the world is to connect people, so why don't I just start something for you? And thus was born my second business, Network Under 40, which now is a 30-plus-thousand-person organization in a few U.S. cities to connect more organically and authentically young professionals on a peer basis, friendship first, business second. And so what I learned now eight and a half years into this is that this one thing of hosting networking events became the catalyst for not only driving a consistent pipeline, taking me from three to five clients on average per month in the credit card processing business, to an average of 20 per month. So it drove a pipeline. It made me someone of influence in my city where instead of me having to go out and look for opportunities, they started to show up at my doorstep because people recognized the value that I was creating and they knew me without me needing to know them. Third, it increased my income. I was struggling financially and this became a six figure side hustle that I was doing for 10 hours or less a week. And then lastly, the impact. To be able to see all of the beautiful fruit that came from the people who attended these events, whether it was forming partnerships or making sales or getting jobs or building friendships or dating or whatever it was, it was so rewarding. And so finally, I hit this point where I realized, wow, so many people are asking me how I did this, yet they don't even realize how much is in this, that if you were to take some time and say, I want to be the convener of a group of people that work for my aims, that are in a world that I empathize with and connect with where you're located, that there's so much value there. So I started a course called the Networking Events Blueprint that teaches step-by-step everything I've learned. And for your listeners, I can offer them a free session I'll do online. Just find me on Instagram. It's at Dara D-A-R-R-A-H-B, and send me a DM. I'll send you a link to the upcoming sessions, free session on how to run six-figure networking events for $100 or less.
0: Wow, that's a pretty big return right there. Well, that's fantastic. Um, Now, is this the latest thing that you've launched, or is there something else that you want to share with us?
1: I'm glad you've asked. So that would have been the latest thing until just about recently when I hit this moment where I realized that often as people, and especially entrepreneurs, we doubt ourselves and we have ideas, but we let these voices in our head tell us, it's already been done or who am I to do that? Or I don't have time or whatever the excuses are. And I am by no means immune to these. And I'd had this idea ruminating in my mind for years and I'd written out the entire plan. So many times it's hard to even believe. And I finally hit a point earlier this year where I made this decision where I said, you know what, now is just as good of time as any. And so I decided to launch what I've called mind your business It's a year-long virtual accelerator for entrepreneurs who want to grow and scale their businesses without sacrificing their lifestyle. So how to run a business that doesn't run your life. And this is by application only. Spaces are limited. Doors open recently. We still have a few spaces left. So if you want to check that out, you can just go to Dara.co. It's D-A-R-R-A-H.co slash M-Y-B for Mind Your Business.
0: M-Y-B. Mind your business.
1: <laughs> You're heading right there. <laughs>
0: Good. You certainly know how to sell the sizzle. That's, uh, well, that's very cool. Thank you. Well, the other thing that keeps coming through so strongly is that you know who you are. You know the things that are important to you. And that helps you deal with the setbacks. and helps you deal with the confusion and, and the, the things that just go wrong because stuff does. Um, how, how do you keep your edge though, Dara? How do you keep from getting complacent and sitting back and enjoying all the fruits of your success. How do you keep growing yourself?
1: I'm laughing because I'm remembering the specific moment about two years ago where I was ready to do just that. I was saying, oh, I can't wait to kick back. I've been growing these businesses. I had written a kid's book on financial literacy. Like I had spent, I guess at that time, about eight years really busting my butt. And I thought, this is not what I signed up for. I was looking for more freedom and flexibility. It's time to relax and enjoy. And at that time, I was traveling about 50% of the time. I still do now, but I integrate my work into it. And hilariously, as life happens, I had this deep intuitive hit that wouldn't shut up. And it just kept saying to me, there's a new incarnation of your career on the horizon. You've got to figure it out. And I was like, come on. Like, I really just want to relax and have a pina colada on the beach. And it was telling me, sure, do that, but also do this deep diligence. And so after six months of doing that diligence, that's where I really started to understand that this idea to teach and mentor and coach and offer a lot of the learnings that I learned, both through doing it the right way, as well as initially doing it the wrong way, and through all the mentorship and guidance that I had learned and accumulated, that that was next. And so... It's really the foundation and the answer to your question is being that in tune with one's intuition is so important. I believe that it is the GPS in our life that when we feel lost or confused or stuck, that if you can just quiet yourself for long enough to pay attention to your body and hear your own inner wisdom, we already have all the answers that we need. And outside, like listening to a podcast or reading a book or going to a conference, those things are great. But they need to be done in harmony with putting it all through the sieve of your own intuition and inner guidance. So bottom line, no matter what the circumstance, situation, or era, it always comes back to that for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Again, self-knowledge, self-awareness. And if you don't put time into those things, we won't know what's in front of us, even if it's right in front of us. So exactly. I think that's awesome. Do you, have, uh, do you have a morning routine, Dara, that is sort of part of your habit pra- practice to get your day off and a good start?
1: Yes, and I've been adapting this recently, and I'm really glad I have because it's helped a lot. So I'm not a morning person. So for anyone who feels like, oh, morning routines, mornings, not for me, one, read Daniel Pink's book called When. It's all about the biology of rhythms and time clocks internally. And those of you who are not morning people are like me. We're called owls, according to Daniel Pink, which are in 20% of the population that the world is not structured for. (laughs) (laughs) And so morning routines for me don't start at 6 a.m. They start at 8.30. And I shift my day to work for my biological rhythms. And so when I get up, I do what most people say not to do. And I get immediately on my phone, which I actually really love because I get excited to get into my inbox and see what's happening. And I get excited to do a daily post on Instagram and share actionable and inspirational stuff. And then I read the news and then I meditate. And then I do a gratitude journaling for a couple minutes And then I do a seven-minute workout app that's a high-interval-intensity training that is just enough to get my heart beating and my body moving, and then I drink alkaline water and my day starts.
0: I love that. And the whole thing about not checking your phone, the argument in favor of that is that your phone and the emails distract you and get you worried and nervous. So if you're in control of yourself and you're aware of what your day is meant to be like, there's no need for that to happen. But you're right, you're conveying something opposite to what most people say, where they say, put it aside for an hour. I guess the rule of thumb is whatever works for a person, works for a person. It's not going to be one size fits all.
1: I don't love grand sweeping advice that overgeneralizes, because you're exactly right, that not everyone is the same way, and that you really have to decide what works for you.
0: Right. It's the best statement I ever heard was somebody that said, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who believe there are two kinds of people and those who don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the only generalizable statement yes. out there. There, um, we have a lot of listeners that are very successful in their careers. They're doing amazing things. They're running phenomenal businesses. They're traveling, they're having an impact. We have other listeners though, that uh, are really discouraged right now they've They've run out of aces. they've run out of resources. what What would you say when you encounter somebody that had vision and dreams and they've just fallen apart? What are some steps for encouragement?
1: Yeah. I mean, one, it's go again to the people who love you and know you and borrow the confidence. So one of the things I do really tactically is I keep what I call a hype file and I keep it in an Evernote. You could do it wherever you want, but having this really accessible on my phone is great. And so anytime someone sends me something that's really generous and nice about me, I screenshot it or I copy paste it and I throw it right in that hype file. So when I have those moments, I have this database to go back to and help uplift myself when I can't find it internally. So I think that's one. And another is just surrounding yourself with people who love you and care for you and help see the stuff in you that you're really neglecting at that point. Another one is an exercise that I'd recommend that you can get this for free on my website at dara.co slash freebies. And it's this nine questions to ask your network to help you find your path. So if you're feeling stuck or lost, there are nine questions that you do in an interview, ideally over email. So the person has some freedom to answer the questions and it's not a reciprocated process so that they don't have any fear of, you having to do this in return. And it's questions like, when do you see me at my best? What's something you know about me that I don't know about myself? What's your greatest wish for me in the next year? When do you see me at my lowest? And so on. And it's a really great way to find some of that mirroring that often we take for granted or we can't see our own shadow. And then your job is to then take the 10 or 20 of them you do with different people in different facets of your life and synthesize them and say, where do I see patterns? What stands out? What do I need to know? And then let the rest go and take that information for what you need.
0: Mm -hmm. Because it's almost a truism that nobody can be truly objective about themselves. And so getting that input from outside, really the only way to move forward, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, and the other thing I'd say to you, actually two more things, if you'll allow. Sure,
0: please do. One
1: is action is really the kryptonite to any sort of stuckness. Which is probably not a word. It is but now. Tra- trademark. So many times, I think when we get in these moments, which I've been in so many times where we think, oh, I don't feel my best or I'm stuck or things aren't going the way I planned, it's really easy to just halt and say, well, I don't know the direction. I don't have the North Star. So I'm just going to stop. And while I don't think action with absolutely no intention tied behind it is wise, I do think that movement and momentum are important because otherwise you can't look back and see any progress. There is none. But when you do take one baby step and then another and another, you don't even realize that you've then walked a mile, but you have. And so just taking those small steps, simple ones, can be all the difference. And then the other thing I was going to say is there's a challenge that I started called Give It Forward. And for anyone who feels any of these feelings, I think it's the perfect counterbalance to it. And so all it means is that you commit to 30 days or less or more, whatever you want. I recommend 30. And every day with intention, you proactively go out and reach out to one person in your network and say something like, hey, Dan, I've committed to taking the give it forward challenge. And that means every day I'm going to reach out to one person in my network and offer to be a resource to them in some way with no strings attached. So is there something that you're working on or you're struggling with, or you could use some help with, or you know, what could I do to help you today? And the only other thing to know is that you're not a magic fairy and you can't guarantee that you're going to be able to provide whatever they ask for. However, you can guarantee that you're going to try. And so when I've done this, this has been such a beautiful blessing because one, it allows you to tap into what you have innately and really own it and say, oh, I didn't really think that I had anything to offer, but look at this, I really do. It allows you to tap back into other people in your network aside from just the people you're reaching out to every day because often you're gonna be making value-add three-way introductions, which allows you to then go back to someone else and say, hey, I have this person I think you two need to meet and allows you to nurture your network, which is really important. It also is really fun. Like, it's just a really great way to get off your own spot. Like the one way primarily I think always to get out of your own BS is to focus out and not in. And so it allows you to do all of these things in one fell swoop and it can take just a couple minutes. And I've had people ask me everything from, hey, my babysitter just quit. Can you help me find one? To I wanna play on the top 50 golf courses in the US and you live in Georgia. Can you get me on Augusta National where they play the masters? Which let me tell you, I spent three months trying to do completely uneffectively. However, the guy who asked me ultimately felt so blown away by my trying that our relationship has never been stronger. So even if you can't do it, there's so much value in you trying.
0: I think that's fantastic. So the idea is to reach out to at least one person a day, ideally for 30 days and say, how can I support you? How can I do something for you?
1: Yep, I'm a believer in just one a day so you can really put your focus on that one and it not become overwhelming for you.
0: What I love about that too, Dara, is that before you can ask the person, you have to take your thumb out of your mouth and quit sucking on it. And that alone helps us move forward. So I think well, that's it teaches fantastic.
1: us a lot. Thank you. It teaches us a lot as well about receptivity and about being available when someone comes to you for an opportunity Because so often we're told especially as women That we can do it all ourselves or we don't need anyone to help us when really it becomes an interesting experiment that when you reach out to people You so often recognize that they don't know how to accept your offer or they expect that there really is a catch When there's not and if they ask like well, what can I do for you? All you say is if you want to do something you can give it forward to someone else But it really is fascinating because it teaches you to be ready and aware when someone's eventually going to come to you Because there's a karmic retribution to this and they're going to ask you how they can help and you need to be ready to know and then Receptivity is all about accepting love. It really just comes down to that So if someone offers to help you and you're denying that really on a deeper level, you're rejecting love and that is something that we all probably can open ourselves up to a little bit more. And so getting comfortable with that idea by being on the other side and watching how people do it gives you a real close-up view so that you can prepare to do it for yourself as well when the time comes.
0: I am inspired. That is a fantastic thought and a great idea. You're full of great ideas <laughs> and you, your willingness to share them and you model them, you live them in the right way, and it comes through in your vocal timbre, comes through in your personality and your whole attitude. I just want to thank you on behalf of all of our listeners. You, you have brought a whole new dimension to the Action Catalyst, and we're grateful for you.
1: I'm grateful for that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, absolutely. And keep, keep the good news going. Keep helping people because there's not enough of that going around. I agree. All right. Thank you so much, Dara, and best of success you. always.
1: Likewise. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.